Well, it's Existential Crisis Day today on the show as we look at the death of God movement and the lack of meaning that is afflicting all of us in society. Today, we'll look at Brian, a young 19-year-old obese boy who just recently won a Miss America pageant. And then we'll also look at Amy Schmidt, the highest Jeopardy winner, female of all time, except for the fact that Amy is a man. And we'll ask the question, are any of these rewards truly fulfilling for people? We'll look at that and more today on IndieThinker. Don't forget, today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Element Home Loans. The Kevin Blair team over at Element Home Loans can help you get into a brand new home. And I know what you're thinking, interest rates are sky high. Why would I buy a house right now? Well, the reason you need to is that houses are sitting on the market longer than they ever have in recent memory. In fact, I just spoke to a realtor the other day and he said, I haven't signed a contract in over a month and a half. That means you got more bargaining power and you can bargain to get a cheaper price on a home than you could back in those pandemic frenzy days where people were offering twenty dollars and $30,000 on a house over asking price. Now is the time to buy because you can always refinance in the future. So I highly encourage you, go get pre-approved today with our friends over at Element Home Loans. And again, you need to go to kevinblairteam.com to do so. These guys are great. They'll help you. Fantastic customer service, no gimmicks, no lies, just great customer service and an organization that cares about the things that you care about. So go to kevinblairteam.com today and let them know that IndieThinker sent you. Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and uh, if you like and share, then why haven't you subscribed? So make sure to subscribe. So in the show um, a while back, maybe about two weeks ago, I showed you a video that uh, went viral on Woke Preacher Clips, and it shows a cross-dressing young man that goes by the name of Pentecost that showed up at a Methodist church to do a family-friendly drag show. Um, I focused a lot on Pentecost, but I didn't focus much on the pastor and what he said. So I wanted to go back to that video to show you that. So here's that. Well, one of the things I think is great about Miss Pentecost is she reminds us that we, we follow a God who calls us to not conform to things of this world, uh, that we're supposed to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And that means that what I think today may have to change tomorrow if I continue to renew my mind. And it's so cool that we serve a God that calls us to continue to grow and continue to, to change into something new uh, and reminds us sometimes that, that we're supposed to live differently. Now, who knew? The drag queen was not the only person cosplaying and dressing up that day. That man in that robe was also dressing up as a priest because he doesn't actually have the capacity to interpret Scripture, apparently, because that Scripture verse, do not be conformed to this world, was butchered by this man because obviously he is conforming to this world. He's conforming to a left-wing gender ideology and then trying to throw scripture on top of it. But this happens a lot in the progressive movement that is more interested in being socially relevant than actually being scripturally true. And um, not to mention, the reality that is missed in that scripture verse is when it says, don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, it is asking us to indeed conform, just not to the pattern of the world. It's asking us to conform to biblical truth. Now, a real pastor would understand this this implication in the scripture, rather than to try to find a way to suggest that dressing up as a drag queen was in some way cutting edge and was going against the grain and flowing against society. I'm not sure if you noticed, but in cities all over America today, drag queen family-friendly events are cropping up 
a lot lately. So point of fact, not only is he conforming to society, he is not conforming to scriptural truth. Now, pushing aside this particular uh, instance, what we're seeing is more and more people are deriving meaning and trying to come up with, you know, the rules as they go along more and more and cannot find meaning because they are not anchoring that meaning from, from objective standard, from an object, objective standard of, of moral value or an objective standard of anything. Rather, just the arbitrary kind of make it up as you go along, you know, you do you mentality of our world is providing an existential crisis that doesn't give people the meaning they're truly looking for in this life. And this is why we find skyrocketing suicide rates and skyrocketing depression rates all over society, simply because people are desperate for meaning and aren't finding it in the things that we're doing in our society in a, in a, in a modern setting. And this is exactly the case in what just took place in New Hampshire with a young 19-year-old obese boy named Brian who competed in a girls' beauty contest and ended up winning. So here's a clip of that. Can we skip to the good part? Now, Brian is the very first ever transgender person to win a Miss America pageant. And you might think that that's a moment to celebrate as we see in the crowd reaction in, in this clip that I just showed you. But unfortunately, there's a couple of things that you should take into consideration before you think that this is a monumental achievement. And the first one is this, is that the people in that crowd, obviously based upon some of the reaction, but not all, because there may be some girls in the background who are genuinely disappointed that their title was just stolen to them, uh, stolen from them by a boy. Uh, but there seems to be enough of a positive reaction in the crowd that we need to make mention of the fact that actually this contest and this achievement has nothing to do with Brian. It has to do with those self-congratulatory gender-bending leftists out there who feel an emotional euphoric rush by thinking themselves to be the more accepting and the more woke and the more um, you know, enlightened person out there who can accept Brian for what he is. But the problem is, is they're not really accepting Brian for, for, for who he is because he's a boy and not a girl. They're, they're only congratulating themselves and patting themselves on the back. It makes them feel good to make Brian the contestant and winner of this beauty pageant because in point of fact, Brian is a 19-year-old obese boy who is not beautiful. Now, before you think I'm being mean, there is an objective standard for beauty out there, and uh, this is widely attested to. Um, but there's also a group of people out there who wish to make a mockery of of art and and wish to you know do things like paint a toilet gold and then put it in the Metropolitan Museum of Art or doing the the piss Jesus thing putting a cross inside of a jar of piss and thinking that they've actually created art these are the kind of people who throw tomato sauce all over an actual work of art for the sake of their environmental friendliness Now, these people obviously have no understanding of true, authentic beauty. Rather, the left is only interested in destroying beauty in America. And they're willing to do so even at the expense of this young boy, Brian, because actually Brian is just a casualty in all of this. Because at the end of the day, 
Brian is never going to receive the satisfaction that he should have gotten from a reward that he rightfully earned. The achievement of this beauty pageant should have gone to a girl, and if it had, she would be sitting home right now deeply overjoyed at what she had just won. But because Brian won this, and because deep down, Brian really knows that he didn't earn this legitimately, and that this was people more crowning themselves than crowning Brian, and that this was about making themselves feel better, and that Brian indeed actually isn't a girl and shouldn't have won a beauty pageant for girls. He will always know deep down that he shouldn't have won, and will never have the true satisfaction that comes to people who earn rewards rightly. See, this is the problem with trying to find meaning in arbitrary standards rather than objective standards. And this is the repercussion of the death of God. Before, when we look to scripture and we look to God and we look to transcendent moral values to derive an understanding of truth and an understanding of reality and an understanding of meaning, we didn't quite have some of these problems. But now our search today doing things from an arbitrary standard and from a you-do-you mentality is ultimately creating a lack of real meaning inside of each and every one of us. Doing it your way only gets your results, and that will never ultimately be truly fulfilling to each and every one of us. And so if we actually cared about Brian, what we would do is we would sit him down and have an authentic and real conversation with him about the truth so that he would know that when he doesn't ultimately receive the satisfaction that should come to him from rightly winning an award that he's earned, when that doesn't come, it's not because there's something wrong with him, it's because there's something wrong with society. But we don't have those conversations because we'd rather pat ourselves on the back. And in the end, ultimately, as I said before, what happens is people don't find meaning in things that they should find meaning in, like this pageant and Ultimately, then they come away depressed and even suicidal. And this is why the suicide rate among transgender people is so high, even after transitional surgery. Reminds me of a C.S. Lewis quote. If you find that nothing in this world satisfies, you might have to concur that you weren't meant for this world. And as we'll see in our stories today, we haven't quite learned our lesson yet because we're still trying to find meaning in things that will never truly provide meaning. And we'll see them today as we jump into Christianity, not today. In this segment of the show, we look at things going on in the world today and then try to pro provide a Christian perspective on that. And so this first one here is a, a, a woman that is supposedly a pastor. And of course, you can tell by their, their Twitter bio and their Twitter handle when they call themselves Reverend Doctor Whatever. Um, typically, this is a person on the left. And then, of course, the pronouns are the absolute dead giveaway. But, um, but, but don't be fooled by that, because um, I really just wanted to talk to you about this person, because there is the existence of these kind of fake accounts, not fake accounts in terms of like fake celebrities, but people who are pretending to be something that they're not. Uh, so for instance, this is like the gender studies person at a major university, and they're simply posting uh, the most ridiculous tweets that you can think of to troll the left. Now, I see this more and more and more. And actually, people on Twitter are, are pretty good at this. Even if you're on the left and you don't like people making jokes at your expense, then like leave the left because you guys actually have a lot of material to make fun of. Uh, but, uh, but hopefully, even if you are on the left, you can appreciate the like hardcore troll 
uh, and intentionality that it takes to make like the jokes that are are being made. So like there's one person that I follow that has a mug that they sell that's called anti 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 racist because like not being anti racist is not enough. You have to be an anti like five times over. And I think if it's odd, right, then ultimately you are racist because you can't be anti anti racist because then you're racist. I don't know how that all works. But suffice to say, all of that to get to the finally the name of this person, Jackie Lewis, Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis. And uh, this individual's account is so ridiculous that you would think that this is a right-wing person uh, impersonating a left-wing person but in point of fact this is actually true um, this is a real person who believes the things that she says and um, so case in point here's one of her latest tweets it says god bless abortion providers give us political leadership with equal courage and commitment to doing what's right so obviously um, from our reverend doctor here, there is no like uh, clear communication as to uh, what is right here. Um, but but she definitely wants political leadership with equal courage and commitment. So apparently, Reverend Doctor Jackie Lewis is all about the um, murder of black babies in the womb. And as a black woman herself, I would think that she might not think that that is what is right, because certainly one of the uh, the greatest killer of of black people is uh, not heart disease, and it's not uh, uh, gun violence. It's actually, it's actually abortion. And this is why uh, Margaret Sanger, the avowed racist, put uh, Planned Parenthoods in abortion clinics within you know, walking distance of marginalized communities all over the United States. This is why it's taken, uh, you know, such deep hold in those those communities because there's been a line that's been pitched to people for years and years and years that that actually uh, this is about helping you and um, and and giving you, you know, the leg up that you need in society or the the hand up that you need in society so that you don't have to be strapped with a child that you can't afford. In the meantime. Uh, the black population is absolutely being ravaged by the blight of abortion. And even though they make up only 13% of the population, over 30% of all abortions performed are done so of, of black babies. Now, just think how much more black people would be in the majority if abortion wasn't such a blight upon black communities. But it doesn't stop Jackie Lewis from the audacious statement that we should bless and that God should bless, no less, abortion providers. The reason I bring this up in light of the context of the show today is this, is we talked about um, this past Tuesday, the institution of the church and its importance in society, but but perhaps this is part of the problem too. The institution of the church has been so co-opted by culture that it's hard to tell what the church even is supposed to be about anymore. And so there does need to be a reclamation of what church actually is and is supposed to be about if we're ever going to actually make the difference that we need to in society once again. If we're actually going to help people who are struggling with this crisis of meaning in society today, that's all over the place and leading to record suicide rates, it's got to come from the church. Now, ultimately, I think that what we are experiencing is a crisis of meaning that is a direct result of the death of God movement that was perpetuated back in the Enlightenment by people like Nietzsche. And, and this death of God movement is earmarked with, with something that Nietzsche said himself. Although a devout atheist, he said this um, in his you know, madman parable where he decries the, the death of God and goes out into the city streets. And he says this, he says that we shall have to be 
become God ourselves to be worthy of his death. It's something that I've quoted on the show very often. It's an important thing for you to remember. It's an important thing for you to consider, even if you're not a Christian. What does it mean for God to die? Well, what it means is something must take its place. And the thing that takes its place must be able to fill his shoes enough that it will provide what God was providing for people before he was dead. Now, obviously, he's not dead. Um, that is the proclamation of a madman, both Nietzsche and the madman in that parable. Uh, but in many people's mind all over the world today, and certainly in America, who is experiencing a, a sharp decline in Christianity, for them, and for many of them, God, God is essentially dead to them because they don't believe in him. And all of their moral standards are brought about by uh, just pure conjecture or just pure hijacking of Christian values in society and then calling them their own. It's the only way that we're able to kind of maintain at this point in time is that we still have a small set of shared values that have been passed down to us, but slowly but surely that is changing. And the only place that can do something about that, as far as I can tell, is the church. The breakdown of the church has led to a breakdown of objective moral values and a a breakdown of an understanding that we need to derive our understanding of ourselves through objective standards and not just personal feelings. Otherwise, you find yourself saying, God bless abortion providers. Could you think of anything less scriptural and less godly than such a statement as that? But yet people fall for this kind of nonsense. Yeah, we got to think for ourselves, but also too, we have to understand what is right and what is real. Our failure to understand reality will be the death of us, as we'll see in our next story, because now we believe that um, in order to be sympathetic and empathetic, we must elect people who have mental disabilities. According to Adweek, John Fetterman's drama shows media's ignorance of disabilities. The article goes on to say, Disability is part of the human experience. The way advertising, marketing, social media, and news coverage frames the narrative has the potential to either advance welcoming or continue to misrepresent, polarize, and other disability communities. Well, we can't go around othering people, can we? Um, so this new way that we should treat disabled people um, comes after this Fetterman race, a uh, uh, man who ran for Senate up in um, Pennsylvania. And... Uh, for those of you who don't know, he had a stroke, was not able to complete coherent sentences, um, was not able to do so when he was on news broadcasts uh, multiple times and also in the debate, just absolutely exposed where he's at in terms of his disability. Um, so apparently the way that we treat people now that we're living in this new age of making sure not to otherize people and to represent the disabled community is that the way that we um, honor the disabled community is to give them political office or some such nonsense. I suppose that's what we're supposed to do these days. But the more important issue is this, is, is again, we find that when we don't derive meaning from our social institutions in any objective fashion, here's what we find ourselves doing. Now the media has to confess a mea culpa for being ignorant about disabilities rather than being honest about the fact that a man who has a mental disability is not fit for office. Sure, men with physical disabilities, fine, great, okay. Um, if you have a physical disability that doesn't permit you from doing the job that you're supposed to do, then great, have at it run for office. 
if you have a mentally debilitating um, uh, disability, then then what you need is you need to you need to go to the hospital and you need a doctor. You don't need political office. That's the last thing you should do. But because we don't derive our meaning from objective reality, as I said before, and, uh, and objective standards, rather we, we derive them from feelings, what we find ourselves doing is this, is that it makes us feel better to honor people with disabilities. And so we're willing to give them political office. Yes, we should honor and love people with disabilities, but we should honor them and love them enough to care about making sure that they are not put in a place that is not a good fit for them. See, this is perhaps even deeper, goes to show that we don't understand true love. Sure, we may not understand disabilities, but the one thing that I can tell you we definitely don't understand because we no longer moor our ethics and our values in any objective standard is we don't understand love. We think love is just a feeling, and we talk a lot about compassion, especially in Christian churches. And we think, well, you're only compassionate if you never tell people the truth. Since when was lying to people a sign of compassion? True compassion tells people the truth. True compassion helps people who have disabilities find the help that they need, rather than to cover it up with the highest office that they can possibly get in their, in their state. So this false compassion is moored in a false understanding of meaning that comes from the breakdown of society and ultimately from a lack of understanding where true meaning can come from. And I think from the death of God movement that has swept our nation. So the real ignorance here is not ignorance of disabilities, it's an ignorance of reality, which we'll see in our final story. It happened on Jeopardy just recently. So Amy Schneider, who is a man, but is labeled the highest earning contestant, uh, female contestant in Jeopardy history, was just on the Tournament of Champions. And, uh, well, let's just say there was not so great a showing. There were multiple times where people uh, had a little bit of response on social media and other places because the contestants, none of them could answer simple questions. For example, one question was, she's the first black woman on the Supreme Court and the first justice to have been a public defender. I'm going to give you just a moment to try to figure out who this is because I would be willing to bet that almost every single one of you know who this person is. First black woman on the Supreme Court, first justice to be a public defender. Who might that be? Give you just a second to come up with it. Will, Zach, what's your answer? Take your time. Not too long, though. We do need an answer. What is an Oscar? Uh, no, uh, uh, perhaps you didn't understand the question. Did you get it? I'm sure you did. Kentaji Brown Jackson. That's right. By the way, you should know that the clue was also three uh, named people, people who have three names, Kentaji Brown Jackson, um, and yet nobody could, could get that answer correct. Now, obviously, when we're talking about intellectual, you know, productivity and intellectual acumen. This really doesn't have anything to do with the fact that Amy Schneider does not know what biological sex he actually is, except for the fact that if you don't even know that simple truth, it makes sense that you wouldn't know who Kentonji Brown Jackson is. But I'm sure um, Amy, whatever his real name is, I don't know. Let's just call him Matt. I'm sure Matt, uh, I'm sure he is a very smart person. You don't make it to the Tournament of Champions if you're not. They didn't gift this to him as they did Brian in, in the first story that we talked about. He, he actually earned his way into the Tournament of Champions. 
But maybe there's another angle here um, to talk about with the death of meaning. Maybe people really don't care about the Supreme Court. Maybe all of this talk about the overturning of Roe v. Wade was really just kind of a smokescreen, and people aren't as up in arms about it. Because actually, at the end of the day, many people saw, you know, abortion policies on their local election ballots in, in the midterms. This happened in Montana, and unfortunately, they went the total opposite direction and said that if a botched abortion produced a baby, that that baby outside of the womb could still be killed and that a doctor would not have to provide medical care to that child. Um, so, so people saw on their ballots that state rights are actually a thing and that the overturning of Roe v. Wade didn't mean that abortion is over. It just meant that states now have to make that decision, which ultimately means it goes back into the hands of the people. So maybe people didn't really care as much about the overturning of Roe v. Wade as is suggested in the media and in other places. Maybe people are living then as a result of what's going on in the world and the death of God. Maybe we are living in Brave New World, that actually we don't really care about what's going on, and we don't care about society as much as we've been told that we should, because as long as we have enough pleasure and we have enough food and we have enough things to make us feel good, we don't actually care about the world around us. It seems certainly true on Jeopardy. They don't care about women because they're happy to give a man the title of the highest earning female of all time. But moving away from these stories and getting more to, to the point of the whole show, here's the real problem. It's payday someday. We can only keep on lying to ourselves and trying to find value and meaning in the garbage can before we finally realize that ultimately we don't really know where meaning comes from. And it's not coming from these things that we've told people they could get it from. The death of God movement is catching up with us, and there's only one solution to it. And by the way, it's God. So you may not believe in God. You may question whether or not God actually exists, or if there is even reason to believe in this whole Jesus thing and the things that the church tells us. Believe me, I get enough comments on social media and on uh, YouTube to see that most people take their brains and throw them directly into the garbage the first time somebody says anything about it. But I want you to consider if the death of God movement, if the lack of transcendent moral values is really creating the kind of society that is producing the greatest amount of joy and the greatest amount of fulfillment for us, or if the fact that we are currently experiencing a crisis of meaning in multiple places, in a crisis of clear definitions of reality in multiple places, if there isn't a cure for that and if it can't be found in God. So I leave you to think about that for yourself. But while you're doing it, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. And whether you like it or not, and hopefully you do, go with God. Thanks for watching.